The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey everyone, before I start my Southwest Division preview podcast with Jeff Garcia of the Lockdown Spurs, 2K Beat Reporter, and Fox 29 San Antonio, I do want to do some quick housekeeping So if you haven't been keeping up, I've been posting a lot of hip-hop content on the YouTube channel, uh, Chris Platty. You can find there my IG Live that I did about Kanye West, Jesus is King. Uh, That album's still not out, unfortunately. So if you want to know what the album sounds like, what the event was like in Detroit, what the atmosphere, all of that, go check that out. That was an awesome video. It was with my, my friends. Bass, who you know films all my all my YouTube stuff, and also my fr- my good friend Chris, who's a longtime friend of the podcast. You know Chris from all the way, way, way back. Some of the first album reviews I ever did were with him. So go check out that podcast. It was a great episode. It was it was it was a very fun um, it was a very fun video, I should say. And also, I did the first episode of the Vinyl Collection series. So I, I go through, I kind of explain my vinyls, how I got them, what I think of the album, you know, kind of show off what's intricate, what's different about the vinyls, kind of how it sounds on vinyl as opposed to as opposed to in your headphones, studio quality. So stuff like that, fun stuff like that. I'm gonna be continuing the vinyl series uh, kind of sporadically throughout the throughout the next year or so as I continue to build my vinyl collection. And lastly, I am starting a discography series where I will rank an artist's discography. So let me know in the comments of this podcast, as well as, you know, shoot me on Twitter and Instagram at Real Chris Platty. You can find you can find me there and leave me a message and let me know what artists you would like me to, to rank their entire discography. I've got a lot of ideas coming and that's going to be a long series that I'm going to continue to do. So be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, Chris Platty, and of course, uh, subscribe to my podcast, Chris Platty, Strictly Hip Hop and Strictly Hoop Talk, on whatever platform you consume your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, you can find your boy. Now, let's get to the Southwest Division preview with my man, Jeff Garcia. Just a quick heads up, it is going to sound different because we had to record under different uh, circumstances and equipment due to some technical issues with my recording studio. We had to record the phone call rather than the normal studio quality setup that I normally do. So it does sound a little bit different, just a heads up, but the content still turned out great. The conversation was still great. So let's get to it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Strictly Hoop Talk. As always, I'm your host, Chris Platty, and joining me today is a special guest, a first-time guest, my man Jeff Garcia, Spurs reporter for the News Report San Antonio and Fox 29 San Antonio, also host of the Lockdown Spurs, and recently an NBA 2K beat reporter. 
Jeff, how's it going? I'm doing good, Chris. Thanks for having me on. And um, yeah, the NBA season is upon us. The NBA season is definitely upon us. It is a great time to be a fan. I see you gearing up with all the Spurs talk. And mm-hmm. as we're recording right now, news actually just broke of San Antonio DeMar DeRozan contract extension. Yeah. And we'll, we'll probably end up touching on that when we get to San Antonio. But for this division preview, what we do is we go in with with a question or challenge each team faces coming into the season, and then we'll look at their over-unders. And we'll start with the with the team that finished last last year and work our way up to num- number one. So coming in last last year was the Dallas Mavericks. Now, the Dallas Mavericks had an interesting uh, last, let's say, you know, 12 or six months, really, when you think about it. The, the acquisition of Christoph Porzingis has kind of been roped into this offseason plus uh plus uh you know the trade that fell apart with miami and all sorts of things uh, I'll, I'll start with you jeff what's the question you have about about dallas coming into this this season uh the, my question is zach is pretty much the big one i think it's um poor zingas you know how is he going to rebound uh, from that injury riddled season he had in new york before getting traded will he mesh well with luka Doncic? Uh, i gotta tell you though i think the mavericks are flying under the radar I believe that they're kind of those quiet teams that at the end of the day, you're going to look back and say, like, how, how, how did anybody miss seeing Dallas coming? They came strong. Look, um, within the division, they play their divisional foes quite well. And I'm talking about the Spurs and the Pelicans and the Grizzlies. So they're always competitive within the divisional uh, teams. But outside of that, you know, they tend to have issues uh, with um, just the rest of the NBA. But look, Luka Doncic. He's coming off a, a phenomenal rookie season. He's only going to get better. Uh, Porzingis, he added some size to his frame. Uh, I think it was much needed muscle. So he's definitely going to be a beast down low or outside or inside or mid or so, or off the bench. Don't matter. This guy is just wherever he wants. Wherever he wants. Yeah, they don't call him the unicorn for nothing. So all in all, I think Dallas will be sitting pretty. I could see them trying to fight for that seventh, eighth seed. Uh, in the Western Conference when it's all said and done. But uh, barring that, yeah, I think Dallas is a team not to be slept on. Yeah, I agree. They're the team that I want to pick so bad yeah. with my heart, but my mind is kind of telling me no. And here's here's kind of the issues. Um, number one, I do think it, it, if we start off positively, I do think Luka will have an even better season mm-hmm. this year because we started to see last year he kind of wore down uh, from from the season, so I think he'll be in better shape. There was a lot of talk about last season him playing himself into shape, mm-hmm. and who knows if he's going to end up being a Chris Paul where that's habitual. But uh, right now, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, and I'm going to assume that he comes into this season in a little better shape. But the thing that really concerns me about this team is you got JJ Barea, who's been uh, who's been active for training camp. Yeah, he's coming back from his injury. And J.J. Barea is honestly, if you look at this roster, probably one of the only other people I trust to handle the ball in terms of a playmaker. Now, of course, you can give the ball to Przingis, but Przingis is looking for one thing, and that's the basket, which is never a bad thing. That's the point of offense. But you also need the guys like Luca, like J.J. Barea, that can playmake for others and create shots. Mm. Uh, and so I think... I think there's a real concern with uh, with ball handling. Like Seth Curry, I think he I think he had great moments, but I don't think he's a trusted ball handler by any means yeah. or a trusted playmaker. So 
that's really my my biggest concern with them. Yeah, look, they, I think they're they're obviously trying to beef up their big man core. You know, they they bring in Boban. You know, you know, laugh laugh out much because he's just a big goofball. But at the end of the day, he is still him. he's still an effective player. You know, down yeah. low, you know, he he's still um, a, a very adequate a big in the league. Uh, Borea coming back into. I feel like every year I look and oh, how is this guy still playing? He's, yeah. You know, I think by now he'd be retired, but no, he's still going strong. All in all, I think Dallas has the foundation to move forward. Look, they're, they're you know, like I said, they're probably going to be fighting for a seventh or eighth seed at, at the end of the day. They're going to get a good lottery pick and, and the next upcoming lottery in the draft. So I think their future is very, very bright, but it starts this season. You're going to want to see how Luca. And a Porzingis mesh. I think they're going to mesh well. Um, you know, it seems like they're off to a swimming start. I mean, people forget how young Luca is. You know, I think he was a teenager when he came into the league. So his his career trajectory obviously is skyrocketing. And Porzingis, well, we know what he can do. All in all, this Dallas team is uh, one not to be overlooked at the end of the day. Yeah, I agree. It sounds like you're a little bit more optimistic than than me on Dallas. I, well, again, I'd be I'd be happy to be wrong here. Well, I guess uh, my view on Dallas is a little maybe uh, uh, painted a little bit with Spurs colors, and I know we're talking about San Antonio. Is <laughs> because every year I don't care if Dallas is O and eighty, and they got to yeah. play the next uh, two games against the Spurs for some reason. Rick Carlisle can get this team to play against San Antonio. So I, I know not to discount them, yeah. see them yeah, play four times. Yeah. Um, okay, so they're over-under. It's very interesting. Uh, it seems like Vegas is a little high on them as well at 41 and a half. I'm going to take the slight – I'm going to take the under on that uh, just because of the, the lack of ball handling throughout the season, I think, issue – uh, but although I will say that as a caveat, that's something that tends to come into play more in the playoffs than in the regular season. Mm-hmm. A lot of times with the regular season, you can have you can have just one one spectacular player or two spectacular players carry the load night in and night out, mm-hmm. as we see every year with Houston. But I, I'm still going slightly under. I just don't like I, I I like a lot of the surrounding pieces around them. I like the addition of. Boban, I like mm-hmm. how Powell ideally fits with Przingis, so mm-hmm. I like a lot of what they have. I'm just collectively, I, I, I guess I just need a little bit more to hit the over on them. What about you? Uh, yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, you know, it, it's that over under is a little. I, I, I'm taking a wait and see approach. I got to see how it all comes together, and I get it. It's a way early, you know, injuries can happen even to the power teams of the Western Conference, let alone the division. But hmm. I'm going to take the under on this one. Uh, 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 as much as I think that they're going to be a good team, I think at the end of the day, the, the Western Conference is stacked. And, you, you know, this is a Dallas team that, although has good pieces, they still got to take on the Rockets three to four times a season. The season, the San Antonio three to four times, probably four times. The, uh, you, you know, the, the the Warriors, the Lakers, the Clippers. So, you know, those are – you can almost pencil those in as losses. So, at the end of the day, yeah, I think I'm going to take the under. Yeah, I mean, the the unfortunate truth is that some of these teams, as much as we love them in the West, are just – someone's going to have to lose. You know? Yeah, and, exactly. And I think Dallas is one of the – all right, let's jump to another team, a team that everyone is talking about, and that's new the New Orleans Pelicans, another sexy playoff team for the Western Conference that a lot of people are picking. 
Uh, I'll start with, with my issue with them coming into the season, or not issue, but question I have is, I know the season's supposed to be fun. Again, the Pelicans have done an awesome job in this offseason retooling and recalibrating their, their franchise and shifting the direction from Anthony Davis to now Zion Williams. But the Pelicans do have to decide quickly and probably by the end of the year on Brandon Ingram and maybe even Lonzo too. So mm-hmm. some of those big assets that they got in the AD trade, uh, you know, now if those players turn out long-term and Zion turns out to be what everybody thinks he is, then I still don't think the Pelicans care all that much. But that being said, you know, Brandon Ingram coming into free agency uh, next offseason and Lonzo two years away from mm-hmm. that, the Pelicans do have to really evaluate these assets and, and have to take this, this seriously. This, you know, even though it's supposed to be a fun season and it probably will be a mm-hmm. fun season for them, they do have those big questions lingering. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Look, um, there's no doubting the fact that Zion is going to be a blockbuster. There's nothing, the kid, he's a, he's a monster, you know, and he's only what a teenager. He's 19 years old. Yeah. So, uh, but nevertheless, you know he's going to bring the highlight uh, show, and he's going to be must-watch TV. I think Lonzo Ball is a great complement to him. You know he can facilitate. Uh, he can get him in the right spots. Uh, his jump shot form looks improved, but again, you know we got to see how that plays out in an NBA game versus practice and right. scrimmages. So you know I'll hold my breath on that one. As far as uh, Ingram, yeah, uh, this team. Could be. I could see this team being very active in the trade deadline. Uh, you know, if if they feel that hey, I we have a piece of Brandon Ingram that uh, a team would love to have. Okay, fine. Let's maybe stock up on some picks and maybe some picks for it. Get maybe some veteran presence. I think this team needs a little bit more veteran presence. Yes, there is Holiday on the squad and everything, but. Uh, Redick as well. Redick as well, but I still think it needs a little bit more veteran presence uh, that'll do them well. Alvin Gentry, I think, is a is, is in a good spot with the Pelicans. Uh, it's it's win win for him. It's either hey, you know, I can build off this youth that is in uh, New Orleans thanks to the trade of AD, or I can trade some of these youth like the ones that are going to see their contracts uh, and soon and stock up on some picks a la the Thunder, you know, but maybe not so dramatic, not so drastic, because, you know, you, right. you, you, you do really have a cornerstone with Zion. So uh, this is a good situation for the Pelicans. Uh, personally, I think they should be looking at uh, trading some of their young pieces, especially Ingram. Uh, he was very coveted uh, whenever there was the trade discussions uh, for him last season. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure any team would love to add him. You know, think about it. I think he has two seasons under his belt. Under his belt. Um, uh, you know, he, he he can get to the rim for his size. He can knock down the three ball for his size. You know, he can do it all. And I think I think uh, NBA uh, teams would love to have that on their roster. Uh, but yeah, I think they should really be keeping their ear uh, to trade rumors and you know calls. Take those phone calls. See if they can move some of these pieces. They only get better. I think for the Pelicans, the long game should be in mind. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great way of putting it. I definitely mm-hmm. think they should be one of the active teams. They could even be uh, in the off season next year. I definitely expect them to be one of those. Hey, do you need a third team for this trade? Let's mm-hmm. get involved. And, yeah, you know, maybe get a pick or two or swap some assets, uh, things of that nature. They should definitely look to improve that way. And you know, I. 
I, I do like the fit of Lonzo and Holiday a lot. Mm-hmm. I like the fit of, and I like how those two fit particularly with Zion. I like even, you know, Jackson Hayes, the, the rookie that they got. I'm curious to see how that fits long term with Zion. Cause, you know, everybody wants to, everybody wants to put him as like, as like the Draymond Green, you know, small ball, small ball center. And, you know, I think sometimes we get a little too, we, we get a little too anxious about, about wanting to move people up a position. And so I'm really curious to see how he'll do with a, with another big alongside of him. But I'm sure he'll definitely get some some minutes here and there at the five just to see what that kind of what that kind of feels like. Yeah. But ultimately, ultimately, I'm really really excited for this season. I think I love the addition of Redick too. Redick mm-hmm. is very solid. He fits great with that backcourt as well of Holiday Alonso. Those are both great defenders, so they could both guard the best ball handler on the other team. There's a lot to like about this team. I'm even a fan of Etwan Moore, who's now going to be at the end of the bench, but I think he's a solid. He's a solid player yeah. who you could dust and, off every now and again. And, and look at look at the franchise. You know, uh, talk about surviving despite losing uh, one of the best players in the league, Anthony Davis. You, you know, you would you would think losing AD, you know, would just send a um, ripple effect to the uh, the franchise. But to win the lottery and to, to, to lock it up and select uh, Zion to build around him, it, it seems to me their transition was a lot smoother. Uh, than many other teams that have lost superstars. I mean, look at the Spurs. You know, you lose Kawhi Leonard, and you, you know it's almost they had to go into rebuilding mode on the fly. Same thing for the Cavaliers. You lose the LeBron James, and, and everything was just lost. So they did a really good job. I think the basketball guys were smiling on them, especially winning the lottery. So New Orleans is definitely a team on the rise if they do it right. Because if they make one. Just a bad move here, bad move there. I think that could really put them in a bad spot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it it, it really helps that they're again they're off to the great start with Zion, but you know, it it we've seen it time and time exactly. again that that one player is mm-hmm. is that's the hardest part to nail. But there's right. a lot of other parts around it that you need yeah. to nail as well. And here's the thing too, you you know, as much as a Zion is a Showtime, uh, you know, and that's fun and that's great and that's going to sell tickets, but I mean, is he just nothing but a power player? Is does he have any type of post move aside from this bully ball? Does he have any type of mid range, let alone um, uh, a jump shot? Uh, you know, it, it's exciting times in New Orleans because of Zion. But NBA teams, you know, they'll, they'll look over that and say, okay, let's uh, dare this guy to shoot. And if yeah. he can't shoot and he becomes like Ben Simmons, well, then New Orleans has a problem and they've got to work on him this season. So as much as it's fun to see Zion play, and yes, he'll get the dunk, he's going to poster somebody, and the moment he does, all blogs are going to be writing about it. You can see it coming. So, um, but is, in my opinion, I think he's a project. As, you know, I think he's a, still a project because we know what he can do in the paint. Can he extend that out? Right. I, I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what's your question for them coming into the season if you have one? Oh, uh, yeah, I just pretty much said it. Now, Zion, you know, the, right. my question to him is, can he be more than just a bully ball player? We'll find out very soon. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Now, they're over under. Uh, they're over under set at 38.5, which I think is going to be uh, a line that gets a lot of action. I, I definitely see a lot of people picking the over. Uh, just because of hype, and I see a lot of people going anti-hype and hitting the under. Mm, yeah. So I, I think 
I think this is a, one of the lines that will get probably the most action this year. So I, I currently have them. I, you know, it's tough. I have them right under at about 37, 38 wins in my eyes. How do you feel about that? You, you, you got it. I'm going with the under. I think um, the fact that, uh, you know, this is a very young team and you say what you will about Holiday and Reddick and, and the rest of the vets on that squad. But I mean, everything's going to be beginning with and ending with uh, Zion and then extending out with the BI and, and, and Lonzo. So all in all, I think I'm going to go with the uh, under. I think they're probably likely miss the postseason, uh, but not by much. Uh, you know, they're going to get that occasional big win on the season. You know, oh my God, they beat the Lakers. Yay. You know, right. and then everybody's going to be cheering for them. But uh, we've seen this time and time again in the NBA, you know, these, I think it's a little bit too much too soon for this uh, Pelicans team, and I think they'll need seasoning to get better. I agree. Let's jump to Memphis now. Mm-hmm. So Memphis has uh, has obviously, you know, drafted drafted John Morant, mm-hmm. and they planned a pair alongside Jaron Jackson. That was pretty much, and of course, the trade of, of, of Mike Conley signaling that they are transitioning mm-hmm. into a new era. What is your question for them coming into this season? Uh, simply, you know, they can just keep on keeping on, you know, um, they're in full rebuilding mode, you know, Marcus Gasol is gone, um, you know, you, you John Morant, uh, you know, he's going to need uh, time, um, uh, you look at, uh, Jackson as well, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't he get sent, didn't he get sent to the G League, or am I thinking of a different Jackson? Definitely different Jackson. It's a different Jackson, okay, I just want to make yeah. sure, <laughs> make sure I got my Jacksons right. Uh, okay, uh, so Jaron Jackson obviously is going to be their, their their new building stone around them. But hey, you, you know what? It's just um, it's it's just part of the 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 way the NBA goes. Uh, every team goes through rebuilding, and it, it, now it's happening for uh, the Memphis Grizzlies. I don't really see much coming out of them at all. Uh, I think that they might be circling the bottom of the West, um, uh, not Phoenix levels. You know, not totally the end of the bottom of the barrel like we saw last year with Phoenix. But I think I, I just don't see them competing for a playoff spot, especially in the Western Conference. No, I, I don't I don't yeah. either. Uh, we'll get to their line in a second. But the thing you hit on with Jaron Jackson, the building piece, is something I kind of I, I want to extend to as well. Is, mm-hmm. You know, I think I think this year, I think Memphis's goal should be to determine what position they want Jaron Jackson to be because, you know, there's yeah. a lot of talk of, is he a four? Is he a five? Um, you have Valanchunas on the roster, who's a traditional center. You could kind of test and experiment how Jaron fits with that kind of player, mm-hmm. or you could play him next to guys like Crowder, who they got in the Conley trade. I expect they'll try to flip Crowder as a veteran piece for a team that wants to compete. But in the meantime, before the deadline, I expect them to kind of experiment with him and Ivan Rab, mm-hmm. you know, to play alongside Jackson and kind of see what they envision. But to me, the the most important thing is is, is fight, figuring out what position Jaron Jackson should play going forward for them. You know, you know, John, you, you know, John Morant's going to be, you know, what he's going to be. So it, it's figuring out Jaron Jackson and going from there. Right, and with with Memphis too, I think patience is going to be in order. Um, you know, you look at how they did it in uh, Philadelphia, the whole trust the process movement. I think this is a not to that level because they don't have a, a Joel and beat on the sidelines, but um, they they just gotta you know draft well, groom these young players well, 
and uh, they'll come around. But I think Memphis is still a couple seasons away from being back to the Memphis Grizzlies we saw uh, in recent years. I, I would agree with yeah. that. I would definitely agree with that. Now, their over-under has them as the as the projected worst finish in the West, yeah. uh, tied for tied for the first wor- wor- worst record in the league at 27.5. I'm going to go the under, and the only reason why, I hate going under on the lowest teams, but in the West, with, with the West being so competitive in every team, I mean, you know, these are teams that aren't in our division that we're talking about in this podcast, but there's even teams like Minnesota who – have playoff aspirations in Sacramento. So I, I see somebody has to get beat up at the bottom <laughs> of the West just because just because of the fact that they're playing, you know, 52 of their games against Western Conference opponents. Yeah. So I, I'll, I'll hit the under on the Grizzlies. Yeah. I think that they're, unfortunately, them and Phoenix will probably share the, yeah. uh, will probably share that spot. I, right there with you, I, I just don't see Memphis being even a factor at the end of the day. And yeah. uh, it's just... Patience. They'll be fun to watch, though. They'll, They'll be, be fun, fun to watch. watch but, yeah. yeah. They'll be fun to watch, but uh, yeah, it's going to be a long season for Grizzlies fans. Yeah, it will. But, you know, trust me, as a Piston, as a Piston fan, there's always next season. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's jump to a team. That's that's a good transition. Let's jump to a team that, that took a ring from my Pistons, the San Antonio. All Spurs. right. Now we're talking. <laughs> oh, man. Um Quick side note, man. Uh, I know you cover the Spurs. I was I was actually at the Palace Visions. I know you, I know you spent time in Lansing. Mm-hmm. I was at the I was at the Palace where they aired the game the game seven in San Antonio on the on the jumbotron at the Palace. Really, and I remember crying my eyes out when they lost that game. Oh, they talking about you talking about the finals? Yeah, in the finals. Yeah, yeah. Five. Um. Uh, that I think that was one of the most thrilling uh, NBA finals that I've seen in the Spurs play. I mean, Game Seven, uh, <laughs> Robert Ory shot, and whew, it was it was fun times. But uh, yeah, um, the Spurs and Pistons, uh, especially with Rasheed Wallace, was Rasheed, Rasheed Wallace. He's always been around the Spurs uh, in big moments. You know, we obviously have the yeah. Robert Ory shot in the Palace, and then of course when he was a Blazer. He, you know, he missed the uh, blocking Sean Elliott shot in 99 for the Memorial Day right. Miracle. So he's always involved in the, on the wrong end. <laughs> on the wrong end. I'm yeah. sure you guys in San Antonio love him. No, that we do, yeah. So way to go. <laughs> Keep on messing up there, Rasheed. Well, we, not anymore. He's retired. So thanks yeah. for the memories, Rasheed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's jump to San Antonio. They are a very interesting team. I've been I've been following your tweets on, on San Antonio's training camp. You were actually the one that broke to me about the DeMar DeRozan contract extension. And I, I'll i toss it to you first because I want to see what, what your question is facing them because I, I have a question that kind of ties in with DeMar DeRozan, but I mm-hmm. want to see where you go first. Oh, well, well, I'm sorry. You broke up a little bit. What was your question again? Oh, my question was uh, my question was just tossing it to you, just like what, you what you're looking forward to San Antonio this, this season. I'm looking forward to a lot of things. I'm looking forward to seeing the growth of Derek White, uh, how DeJounte Murray will return uh, coming off a uh, uh, surgically ending uh, uh, knee injury. Uh, Last year, I'm excited to see how DeMar DeRozan responds in his second season. Um, The first season in San Antonio, he was coming off that massive trade uh, with the Raptors. Um, 
you know, and he admitted, admitted openly that it rocked his core. But now that that's under the water, you know, let's see how it responds to that. I'm also ready to see how this team is going to be, uh, you know, standing it when it all said and done. You know this, I know this, your listeners know this. You never, ever, ever count out San Antonio. I don't care if they started off the, the season 0-15. You don't count them out. Right. And this is the same situation. They didn't make any sexy picks in the offseason. I'm sorry, uh, pickups in the offseason. Um, they had a failed attempt at signing Marcus Morris. They re-signed Rudy Gay. They pick up Damari Carroll. Their consolidation for Marcus Morris was Trey Lyles. And, um, but if you really think about it, this team is going to be young. This is a very, very young team. And I want to see how the youth responds. And especially if Popovich is going to break out of his stubbornness and play some younger guys. They got a lot of speed and athleticism on this squad. DeJounte Murray, Lonnie Walker. Um, they have, uh, you know, Derek White. Uh, will Popovich let these guys, these young guys, get that experience? And I think he's going to have to. And I think it's going to be necessary to compete in this today's modern NBA, where speed, athleticism, getting up and down the court is key. They have all the horses, so how will they fare in the Western Conference, let alone the division? Um, it's going to be tough for them to come out of the division. I think they, I can see them finishing two. Um, you, you know, with Houston obviously being there, and um, but I, I'm excited for this person. That I think they're massively being uh, under underrated right now. I look at all the talking heads and the prognosticators out there that oh, the Spurs are barely going to get into the postseason. They're going to squeak into the postseason, eight seed, seven seed. Now I can see them going as high as four or five. I mean, I think this is how good this Spurs team in is just think about this. Their potential starting unit could be DeJounte Murray, Derek White, Jakob Pertle, LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, and, uh, you know, DeMar DeRozan. Uh, you wow. know, there you go. And off the bench, off the bench, um, they could have Damari Carroll, Rudy Gay, Patty Mills, Bryn Forbes, Marco Bellinelli, Lonnie Walker. They have a good balance of youth and experience. So this yeah. is a team not to be dismissed. Not at all. And, you know, you hit on a lot of the reasons I'm optimistic. But the mm -hmm. one question I do have that I think is going to take some figuring out from Popovich, and you, and you alluded to this, is what is the wing rotation? Because you got you got DeJounte Murray, DeMar DeRozan, uh, uh, Brian Forbes, uh, you know, Derek mm -hmm. White, all these guys. All these guys, Patrick Mills, Marco Bellinelli, Lonnie Walker, mm -hmm. those are seven those are seven wing players. And mm -hmm. obviously not all of them are gonna play. Plus, you know, Carroll and, and Gay will probably spend some time at the three. Mm -hmm. They'll probably mostly slide to the four, but uh but they'll definitely they'll definitely play some time at the three. So that wing rotation is loaded and I'm very <laughs> curious to see. I'm very curious to see what they do, you know, especially guys that, that Popovich is known to trust, like Mills and Bellinelli. You know, I, I, I think that those guys should be on the lower end of the of the San Antonio wing rotation. But will Popovich actually do that uh, remains to be seen. So that, to me, is the biggest well, question yeah. mark. What what do you think about, about their wing rotation? Uh, I think that, that you, you were right there with me. I think the, one of the bigger question marks is um, the guards. They, they, 
They got tons of guards. Yeah. Um, and we mentioned a few. I mean, this is just a few. DeJounte Murray, Derek White, uh, Bryn Forrest, Marco Bellinelli, Patty Mills, and on occasion, DeMar DeRozan can handle the ball. But nevertheless, you slot them at the, the two spot, whatever. That's five. That's five guys at that at nearly the the one spot. Nearly, you know. Um, yeah. You something's got to give. You know. You know, Marco Bellinelli could he be on the training block at the end of the day if a, if a veteran if a team needs a player like that? You know, possibly. There's a glut right there, and you know you just don't. I you know. I mean, you mentioned Lonnie Walker. You know, I mean, they they something's got to give, and whether that yeah. means. Trading somebody or talking to Belly and being like, hey, you know, you're not playing, you know, you know, or really use that load management. No, we're just looking out for you, old man Bellinelli. Just load manage you for the next two or three weeks. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Right. But, um, hey, um, this is a good problem to have for, uh, for Popovich and the Spurs. Uh, it is a mm-hmm. guard orientated NBA. So, um, he should be uh, smiling instead of scratching his head on what to do with these, uh, these guards. Yeah, that's definitely true. And another interesting side note before we get to the over under is uh Zach Lowe mentioned this on his podcast and this is something that I that I thoroughly agree with, is that you know, San Antonio's very kind of oh, you know, we're the Spurs, we, we go about our business, but last season before his injury, DeJounte Murray, they were they were really talking him up like a like they don't normally do that. So mm-hmm. I'm actually so he's one of my most exciting players to watch because the San, San Antonio does not talk about him or it does not talk about players in the way they talked about him. Well, here's the thing. And, and I, I like what you see out of Murray and there's, there's obviously reason to smile and, um, you know, you know, keep, keep your chin up if you're a Spurs fan or let alone Popovich, but it's not like he's an all-star, you know, if you look at his right. numbers, his career, you know, he's a great rebounder for his position. And, yeah, he did get a, a nod for the All-NBA second defensive team, so kudos to him. But he's not like he's pumping up 20-plus points a night. It's not like he's, uh, you know, dishing out 8 to 10 assists. Uh, but I think his projection is great. I think his defense is great. And I can see why Spurs fans and the rest of the NBA would be applauding him. I'm of the opinion of let's just see how he responds coming off I repeat, a surgically repaired knee. Um, he, he got everything going for him. He's young, so obviously he can rebound off surgery versus a, a veteran player. Uh, he's with Popovich, who's going to really manage him. Popovich even said it at media day that do not expect for Murray to get 30-plus points to start. That ain't going to happen. And they, obviously he's already winking that they're going to load manage him. And I think that's a smart right. approach because he had surgery. To a, to a very crucial area of, of NBA basketball players' anatomy, the knee. So right. um, there's that. So I'm taking a wait-and-see approach with uh, young Murray. Uh, I like what I see, but, you know, outside of just health, there is just his game. He's not a great shooter. He's not uh, if mid-range or, or three-point. So what, is that an area that he worked on? There's only so much off-season tr- videos in the gym by yourself with nobody defending you can justify. So right. let's see how he does when he has a real NBA uh, team uh, trying to shut him down and daring him to hit the three or the long uh, two. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll have to see on that. Now, as far as your projection about saying that you're, you're not really surprised if they 
if they chase the the, the four or the five mm-hmm. spot. Yeah. Um, Vegas is is pretty close there with you. They have them at six at six in the West with forty seven and a half is there over under. Um, the Lakers are the Lakers at five with fifty and the Nuggets at four with fifty three. So they have. They have, they do have quite a bit of separation there, but mm-hmm. uh, but San Antonio is that next team out of that out of that first stack of the Western Conference that every that everyone's looking at, at least according to Vegas. So that forty seven point five line seems right to me. If anything, it seems a little low. Uh, I, I'm thinking they get so. I'm thinking they get uh, forty nine wins, maybe even fifty. I'm gonna go with. Uh... 50 or just a little bit more, 50 or 51, 52. Um, okay. this, this, this team is, is going to be dangerous. Um, yeah. look at what Jakob Pertl recently said after practice, um, that he is still upset and that the team is upset of how they lost game seven to the Nuggets in last season's postseason uh, series. Um, yeah. they're it's up, fair to point out, it's fair to point out that, uh, that, uh, they, that with the Heat, you know, that was the talk. That was the talk. The year they lost the finals with the Ray Allen shot, and right. look what they did. They came all the way back. So, yeah. you know, resiliency is definitely in the Spurs DNA. Yeah. Um, so Portal was very vocal about that recently in camp. Uh, they were up 13 points on the Nuggets in Game Seven, and they just did a lot of boneheaded plays, and they ended up ended up costing them. So, um, and that's against, and they were the eighth seed, I believe. They were the eighth seeded uh, Spurs. So, mm-hmm. and they got in, but that can tell you what an eight-seeded Spurs team with a um, a team coming off the drama that was Kawhi Leonard, and they still took uh, the number one seeded Nuggets to a game seven. So, I think this team's going to have a chip on their shoulder. Look, they address the defense, that's for sure. Uh, you bring in Damari Carroll, you're getting back Murray. The defense is going to only improve. Uh, they were one of the worst teams last year in pace. They were like way bottom 10 in pace and I think their pace should get better uh with the young bucks they have on the on the squad so even with Aldridge even with Aldridge uh oh I'm talking about this season or last season I'm sorry I'm talking about this season like you know because because that does seem to you know kind of go against Aldridge's DNA and Aldridge is you know for all for all his uh for all his knocks he is their you know one of their best players on the roster yeah still a good player well he he came into camp slimmer than ever um, okay. And uh, he laughed at any uh, thoughts of retirement or him talking about already seeing the end of the tunnel uh, for his NBA career. So he's like, you're all talking to me like I'm old and I'm not. So, hmm. um, so he came in slimmer. He's mentally prepared for it um, as far as uh, rebuffing any uh, thoughts that, oh, you know, I'm an old guy, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, but here's the thing, though. I think they're going to have to really manage him. And the veteran players, and I think with that happening, that allows the the younger players to get their burn, like your Lonnie Walkers, like your well, I don't even know what they're going to do with Chimizy Metu. You know, um, if there is something they need to address, is the big man department. They only got two going into uh, the NBA season as of now: Aldridge and Pirtle. That's it. That's it. That's all they got. Um, yeah. So if they want to show up their big man department, that's an area they need to look at. But all in all, no, this is another dangerous Spurs team. I can see them winning between 50-52. Okay. 
Yeah, I think I think there's definitely a lot of reason to be optimistic. I mean, would you I, be surprised I, I, if at the end of the season you see the Spurs 52-55 wins? I wouldn't. I, I'll be like, yeah, that's that's them, you know. Fifty-five would be a little bit yeah. like, well, this was a good season, but yeah, fifty-two, yeah, fifty-two, fifty-three, and I know that seems like splitting hairs, but to me, there's always a big difference between mm-hmm. a low fifties and a fifty-five win team. Yeah, uh, that just to me seems another tier. But yeah, I I definitely don't get shocked if they yeah. if they have you know fifty-one, fifty-two, fifty-three. Yeah. I think they're absolutely capable. They're a team that's not going to beat themselves very often, Mm-mm. despite what happened last year in the playoffs. They don't do that. That was very, very un-San Antonio-like. So, you know, they're, they're a team that takes care of their business against inferior teams for the most part. They'll have that one game a year and they lose to the Knicks that, like, Popovich gets riled up about. But other than that, they take care of their business. Mm-hmm. And they play all the and they play all the good teams just as well as they do the bad teams. Yeah. So, you know, that's a recipe for good regular mm-hmm. season success. So I'm totally in on San Antonio. I don't I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs at all. No, I agree Let's, with you. Let's jump to Houston, the last team in the division. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they had a they had a monster offseason, mm-hmm. uh, you know, flipping Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook, another MVP. And I do like their finds of Tyson Chandler, Deontay Davis to help with the front line, along with uh, picking up Thabo Sefwosha recently for the wing. You know, my thing with this team and, you know, I want to see if you feel the same way. My thing, which is going to determine their success to me the most, is how good can this team be defensively? Last year, Cabela's, uh, Capella's rebounding and defensive presence slipped. And while Paul was on the decline, I don't see Russ really as too much of a defensive upgrade. Yeah. Last year, they finished 17th in the, in the league in defense. And this year, they finished, or the year before in 2017, the year that, uh, the year that they had their dominant year. They finished seventh in defensive in defensive efficiency. Mm-hmm. To me, if they really want to be a contender, they have to get back to that top ten defense. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know you can't, uh, you know, and don't, I'm not taking a shot. Well, maybe I am, but there's still Dan D'Antoni on the sideline, you know, and he's not known for defense. You know, they had to bring in a defensive coach, you know, for right. uh, for him. So the defense is again going to be. The, the issue for uh, Rockets. Now, are they going to put up points? You're damn right they are with Harden and Westbrook. Uh, will Westbrook not be averaging a triple-double? Yes, he probably won't. He's going to have to defer, and just like Harden's going to have to defer uh, to Westbrook. And look, at Media Day, they both said, hey, you know, there is no issue. You know, we can play together. They have played together, you know, with, in OKC mm-hmm. before uh, reuniting in, uh, in Houston. But look, it's going to take some time for them two to get on the same page. So, yeah, are they going to stumble a little bit to begin the season? Of course. Well, you, after one bad game, you're you're not you're likely going to see all these uh, sports shows on TV. Be oh my god, is it over? No, it needs time. You know, just give it time. They're going to have their bad game here and there. They're going to pass the ball to each other, and maybe one of them, you know, has miscommunication. That's going to happen. Right. Um, but for Houston, they're going to be up there. Uh, you they still got Capella. They're still you still got Gordon on that squad. Uh, you still got a D'Antoni, who's a, an offensive guru, and uh, you you still got um, excuse me uh, Harold. Har- I can never pronounce this guy's name. Um, the oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of the Clippers right now. Sorry, see, I'm already projecting out who the worst 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 was. I'm thinking Montrez Harold when he used to be with Houston. Sorry, 
He would, um, he would be great. If he yeah, he would be, yeah, oh my God. I'd be, I'd be like, well, there we go. We already know what the Western Conference is going to be like. So, and of course, Austin Rivers, um, this is a team uh, that should challenge for the number one spot. I I could see them falling between one and, no, I'm sorry, between two and four. I think they could fall somewhere in there. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, obviously I think the odds on favorite are obviously the Clippers, you know, for what they did. And still stunned when I look at their roster. I'm like, how, yeah. how, how is anybody going to score on these guys? But that's for another show that you're going to do about right. that division. But nevertheless, uh, Houston is going to um, be up there. I can see them following, following no, no further than four. So I think they're going to be a, a team to be dealt with. Oh, yeah. They'll definitely be an issue. Um, is, is your question when it comes to them, uh, if 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 you didn't already hit on it, uh, I would like to talk about the the offensive fit between Westbrook and Harden. Uh, you know, was that your question coming in, or did yeah. you have something else you were looking forward to with uh, with Houston? I'm just seeing I'm just seeing like how that's going to work because if they get on the same page, they're going to be a deadly team. Um, yeah. They at the end of the day, they're just they're just. I mean, you got. I mean, you're forgetting about Capella. You know, could they have? You know, I get it. It's the whole duo league now, but. Could Capella, Harden, and Westbrook be a big three? You know, I mean, Capella has all the maybe, intangibles. Maybe yeah. a two, maybe a two point five. They could be a two point five, but yeah, um, they could be a three headed monster if they get it right. So if those three guys get clicking, watch out. And don't forget, you still got Gordon coming off that bench. You still, I know, Austin Rivers uh, on that squad. Uh, I'm missing a couple other guys. So I apologize, but uh, Houston, they're gonna be all right. Yeah, they'll they'll be fine. Um, another another key thing for me is PJ Tucker. Is you know how just because honestly I get concerned when I see players like him play as hard as he does for how many seasons. You know, like that is a dude who who takes on a lot of matches. I mean, they played him at the five sometimes last year. I mean, they played him way way up, and that's a lot of bruises and and punishment your body is physically taking. So. uh, P.J. Tucker is another huge linchpin that if he even falls off remotely defensively, then this team, uh, this team's defense is in trouble. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, P.J. Tucker, he's the do it all for them. You know, he could do it on the defensive end. He could do it on the offensive end. He can knock down the three point shot. Um, You know, he, he could be, you know, their, their X factor uh, this upcoming season. He could be that glue guy. They need to keep everybody in line and check. And, um, you know, spell a few guys uh, for some minutes here. All in all, Houston is going to be fine. They're going to be – I obviously, they, they should win the division. And, um, yeah, it'll be fun to see. I, I can't wait to see them go up against the Clippers and the Lakers, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm very excited. Now, they're over under. They have them as the number three team in the West or tied for actually number one. Um, they have to – the Clippers, the Jazz, and the Rockets, as of today, all have the line of 54.5, which is which is tied for the best in the West. So, obviously, Vegas is predicting that it will be a very close mm-hmm. coin toss race. But last year, they finished with 53 wins, and you know, and they got Russell Westbrook, who, you know, Chris Paul missed, missed stretches of the season last year, and you know, and, and just quite frankly, at this stage in their career, Russell Westbrook's a much better player than Chris Paul. So I'll hit the over now. I don't need. I don't know if that makes them the number one team in the West. I think the Clippers can get more than you know fifty four point five wins. Definitely. I don't know about Utah, but 
but the Clippers can definitely be a team that finishes with 58, 59 wins. And I could see Houston finishing somewhere 55, 56, because again, with 53 wins last year, um, and then you add Russell Westbrook mm-hmm. to that for Chris Paul, that to me is a, is, is a massive upgrade. So even if there's issues and fits and all that, they're still going to be a team that can just off sheer talent yes, win exactly. a lot of games. Yeah. Uh, I'm right there with you there. I got the over on them. Um, I, they, they, I would not be surprised if, yeah, they blow out all, all of these projections. This is a team that has the talent, has the defensive players, that has the coach for that offense, and they're playing in, um, in a division that maybe just outside of San Antonio, they don't really have too much competition. Um, so they should definitely get that. Uh, number one spot in the in the division, uh, and get them a, a good spot in the postseason. Uh, but I, I'm sorry, I'm a little distracted by Chris Paul because think about his. <laughs> I'm thinking about him right now, thinking like, my goodness, he went from Lob City to Houston with Harden, and now in the Thunder in a rebuilding mode. Wow, how, how the mighty have fallen. Yeah, how yeah. the mighty have fallen exactly. Um, <laughs> Chris Ball is going to be an interesting talking point when I get to that to that Northwest Division preview, but yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to Houston. I'm, I'm going to be watching a lot of games to see how they fit, just like everyone else will. I'm sure they'll be one of the most talked about teams this season. But you and I are both in agreement that this is a team that, at the very least, has the recipe to win in the regular season. Yeah, the, the, and they will. Trust me, they will. <laughs> they absolutely will. Well, that will do it for this Northwest Division preview. Jeff, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. I greatly appreciate it. Um, you know, I we shared some good stories off camera about about our Lansing days, mm-hmm. and and I look forward to having you back on the podcast to talk some Spurs and some and some NBA basketball. In the meantime, why don't you uh, tell my audience where they can find you best and how to keep up with you? Sure, not a problem. And uh, yeah, it was great to uh, preview the Southwest Division uh, with you. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff G Spurs Zone. Go to the Spurs Zone News for San Antonio and Fox 29SanAntonio.com for everything silver and black. And as Chris mentioned, I am the host of Locked On Spurs, part of the Locked On NBA Network. Um, pick a platform: Stitcher, iTunes, iHeart. Pick one. You'll, you'll find Locked On Spurs on one of those uh, platforms. Subscribe, download. Uh, I'll be kicking it up. I'm still kind of getting the cobwebs out because I really enjoyed my off season. <laughs> oh, back to it. Back to the grind. So, lockdown Spurs. I'll definitely have you um, hand in hand throughout the entire Spurs season. Again, Chris, thank you so much for the invite. No problem, Jeff. Take care, and I'll be talking to you soon. Yep.